Colleague Box is a Derby-based gifting service that offers customizable, personalized gifts. Delivering nationwide, the gift boxes are ideal for companies to send to colleagues, prospects, suppliers, or clients, or for individuals to send to friends or family. Choose from our collection, or we can create a bespoke box based on your budget, brand, colors, and logos. Colleague Box, connect with colleagues wherever they are. So welcome on to Talk Derby to me, Craig Short. Thank you very much for this. I, I really appreciate your time as ever. Uh, how are you at the minute? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. Um, considering what's been going on the last year, um, I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm living down in Oxfordshire, working at Oxford United now with my brother. So big change back last summer during the you know the first lockdown. Uh, I got a call to to go and join Carl, which was difficult to leave Derby because. I, I was fortunate to do the 16s when I left Notts County. Darren Ross asked me to go there and then leaving to go do the Blackburn Rovers job for two and a half years. And then luckily Darren offered me back the 23s job. And I never really thought I'd leave that position because it's I was enjoying it so much. And it's very secure as what you can get in football, a good club, great facilities, as you know. So, but this is, you know, I was doing a sort of a four hour commute really every day. I've stayed over once a week, but it was just, you know, when I get a club 10 minutes from my house, I'm working with my brother. I couldn't. I couldn't say no. And Darren, Darren and the club were very good. You know, understanding. Um, it was. It was hard to leave, but um, I filled my car up once a month now instead of once every three days. <laughs> what's your What's your current role then? I'm assistant manager at Oxford United with uh, with Carl Robinson. Yeah, so I've known Carl for years, not very not closely. My brother lives with me during the week because he lives in Yorkshire, so he's the head of sports science there. He's been there now for this is his third year, so I get to know all about the club because it's a local club. My my family our supporters and it just came out of the blue really it was last summer we managed to do a camping trip down to France and Spain managed to get away and I got a call after they failed in the playoffs and I just thought I've got I've got to think about this for I've got a young son who's six so I just thought you get used to that commute I know a lot of people in the game do that commute you know in regularly but after you just I'm 53 this year so I thought it does make a difference getting in the car and having 10 minutes to work and getting in the car at six and having an hour and 45 it was always that, you know, and sometimes two hours coming home. But I did it because I loved it. You know, I really did love it. And, and, and when I'd left in 2013 to come back again in 2016 to Derby, the same staff were there at the academy. It just shows how stable that place is and the conti- continuity about the club. And, and, and they've got a good record on producing players. So it was, was a tough one to leave. I was going to say that was it was it a tough one to leave because for everything that goes off well with every football club obviously the first team and, and results will always fluctuate but Derby's academies over the last few years has been uh, been unbelievable really compared to how it had been before and the what is it well firstly was it a tough decision and secondly what is it about that that academy and and the setup there and everything that is producing such good young young players into the first team I think one good thing is is your is your is your leader you know. Um, I've got two ex-teammates who I played with, are both academy heads. One's David Unsworth at Everton, um, and they produce players. And one's obviously Darren. Now I've known Darren for years, and you know, I'll, I'll, people say say what I'm going to say now because he's a friend of mine. Yeah, he's a friend of mine, but he establishes strong values and principles, a work ethic. And I won't give away names of other clubs, but top clubs send their players to our to, to sorry to Derby's academy, will come on trial, who are highly rated. And they sometimes struggle 
because of the work ethic. And Darren really, really insists on a really, you know, tough training schedule, get the lads prepared for, for men's football, which is that's what we're trying to do. And what we're primarily trying to do was to get them ready for Derby's first team. It's great to see those lads now. And Morgan Whitaker's just got moved to Swansea, but it's great to see the people like Jason Knights, the Bogles who went through and went on, so it's gone to the Premiership. There's so many players now who I look at the team sheet, it must be proud for, for a moment for Darren, because um, it is tough. Because I know the club was desperate to get in the Premiership, so you spend your money to get top players. So to get young players through is very, very difficult. But I see now the game's getting younger. Um, and I just, the philosophy there to, to, to promote players and, and to get them to understand what was required from them is so important. And uh, it's no surprise that, you know, a relatively small club compared to the other clubs in that Premier League too, they're competing very well. And they, ha- they do every year. You know, we always thought we were going to get relegated every year because we're just hanging in, hanging on. And I think the first couple of years we nearly did, but now they're establishing themselves at the top. I know it's not about results in that league, but it does help when you, uh, and, and does, does get you noticed. So credit to, credit to Darren and, and the staff he's got working there because they, they, they really, really care. And, and the local lads, so you know, Pat Lyons, who I worked with for many years, is a great coach. The local lads will do very well. And Gary Boyer, who's taken my job, worked at Derby years ago doing the under 14. So it's great that they've got that, core of people who 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 are, are who care but are very very good coaches as well of course justin walker who did very well with the 18s has gone to the first team now with with, with wayne and, and and jason pierce the goalkeeping coach so justin did ever so well with the 18s a couple of years ago so it's um it was a great place to work and, and it's great to see those young lads get, doing well where did where did derby rank their, their academy the 23s and the, the the academy side is it is it up there with the best in the country well I speak to a lot of my old teammate Jason Wilcox played for Blackburn with he's my captain at Blackburn and, and he won the premiership at Blackburn Jason's head of the academy at um, Manchester City um, and Jason speaks highly about Derby he always does and not just because we're friends he just knows that they're always in for a tough game really we shouldn't be well, we keep saying we sorry Derby shouldn't be competing with Manchester City really at that level but they, they do David Unz with the same talks highly of, of the club so I know I think the big boys always know they're in for a tough game. You know, I think only two weeks ago, they went and beat Chelsea 2-1. Um, and we often, every now and then, they surprise teams. Not every now and then, quite regularly. Um, so it's, when you send boys out on loan, because that's the next step from academy level at 23s, when you send them out on loan, um, they do get a shock. Men's football is different. And it's, it takes them getting used to. Um, you get the odd phone call saying, can I come back shorting? When I was there, you know. But um, that's what you, you, it's like we all know how ruthless and difficult football is. There was a stat a couple of years ago, Blake, 78% of lads who get a, uh, an under-19 contract. So that's your first year pro contract. Mm. So you've worked all your way through the system. I think Sibley has worked from an under-8 under eight at Derby all the way through to first team now. There's a few like that. Um, but you've, got, you've worked so hard to get to a, your first pro contract. But there's a stat in the Premier League, this is two or three years ago now, Blake, 78% of those lads are out of the game um, three years later. So right. that just, you know, shows you how tough the industry is. It really does. So when you've got, you made your first pro contract, it's, you, you've, it's, the job's harder then. You've got to keep going to make a career out of it. And I think it's harder now than it was when I played. Well, I was going to say that because I've asked this, I think I've asked this question a couple of times to different people and how, how the structures changed from when you would have come through in reserve football and, and things like that that was in place. And the 23s, does it, and it probably gives 
people a longer chance because you, you're there a bit longer, but does it make it harder that they've not played that men's football um, because it'll be from like 16, 17 into reserves or is it just how the game's developed? I think it's very difficult to answer because I, I came from non-league, so I was just thrown into men's football at an early age and sink or swim. And mm-hmm. luckily, I probably, because I had Neil Warnock who helped me and I sat off at a lower level. Maybe if I'd gone through the academy system, I would have failed because you are getting the best. Look up, there's Derby, Leicester, Forest. There's the Birmingham clubs on the doorstep, all scooping up the best players. So not, nothing really gets missed. You know, the scouting system is so good now. So no one falls through the net. So you are up against the best. You have to be at it every day. Now, I think it's harder nowadays. I really do think it's harder to get to earn a pro contract. It's relentless. It's a, it's a commitment for the parents as well. You're doing two or three visits a week to Moor Farm. Mm. Hey, you are going to a great facility, by the way. I used to train on a beach at Scarborough when the, when the tide was out, but... The facilities now at academies are wonderful um, and getting better all the time. You know, Derby's are state-of-the-art and, you know, seven, I think 17 pitches they've got, something like that. You know, it's, it's incredible what when you go into work and you work in those sort of conditions and environment, you are given the best chance possible, not just as a coach, but definitely as a player as well. Well, take us right back then to your, your earliest memories of football because we always start with your earliest memories and what you first get into the game, what you're earliest memories of football and, and getting in obviously it wouldn't have been academies then and you've already mentioned you want an academy so what were your earliest memories just non i was non-league I, i'd failed at 16 17 had a couple of trials blake but i'd um got to play for my local team pickering town northeast counties men's football playing against the mining teams from the west yorkshire south yorkshire tough physical the teesside league up in, up in middlesbrough so that was physical i wasn't a center back i was a midfielder um, and I thought I'd miss the boat and I'd probably have a half-decent non-league career, combine that with a job. So I think when, when Neil came to Scarborough and I got joined Scarborough, I got the chance to go and play centre-back and never look back, really. When Neil moved on to Notts County, he took me. So it was a different way in. But about part most of the England team, I think, in that time was ex-non-league. Ian Wright, Stuart Pearce, oh, God, Chris Waddle. Um, there's, 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 there's more, you know, so... I, uh, I just came through that route. Look at Vardy now at Leicester. So I got that opportunity and luckily for me, I think it, I, I got a bit of luck as well with meeting Neil. Yeah. Well, we had another, I spoke to Malcolm Christie uh, a few days ago and he was, uh, he was another one who came from Plumtar. Yes, yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah it's, it's getting rarer and rarer, but it's uh, it's still something people people like to see, isn't it? That story of playing in non-league and, and getting picked up by someone who's got, who's got the faith in them. You get lads, lads who are leaving academies now at 17, 18, and then two or three years later, they'll bounce back. Which, and it continues to happen. Yeah. Neil Warnock, because um, I've had quite a few people on there who have played for Neil Warnock, and some, the stories about him, and um, they're all incredible, and they've all got nothing but good things to say about him. I'm sure you'll be the same. What What was he like as a as a gaffer? He, he, we, we're still in touch now. Um he was a huge, a very, very good man, uh, man motivator. He, he concentrated on your strengths and not your weaknesses. I had plenty of weaknesses, but he just concentrated on my strengths. Um, he, he, he recruits very well in players. He's one of the best speakers before a game and at halftime I've ever come across. And, and another thing is, you know when you're in the wrong. And he'll, he really will dress you down. I think that's gone from the game a little bit now. But you know when you're in the wrong. It doesn't matter how long. You know, I went to Sheffield United at 37 for my third time with Neil. And I remember having a shocking game at Coventry, cost us the game, and he tore a strip off me. And I was 37 and didn't change from when I was 21 playing for him. Um, but then on a Monday morning, it's forgotten about. And I have no managers who will hold grudges against you for a couple of weeks. But with Neil, it was forgotten about. He started again. He was great at picking people back up again. 
his record, got, you know, speaks for itself. One of the most successful managers to get clubs out of the championship, or probably the most successful manager getting clubs out of the championship. Or look at Middlesbrough, what he's done there now. So, a, a friend of the families and um, people who often don't know him or don't play for him probably don't say the kindest words about him. But the lads who played for him and worked with him, mostly, most of them do. <laughs> yeah. Does it does it surprise you that he's still in the game doing it at Middlesbrough at seventy plus? <laughs> Yeah, it does in a way. We, I, you know, I speak to him probably two or three times a year, and and he, when he comes back into it, I give him a ring and say, "What are you doing? Why aren't you retiring back to your home in Cornwall?" But he's just—I think he just gets—he gets itchy feet. He's driven. He was a manager at Scarborough at fourteen. You can see that driver. It's not—it it never changed, Blake, from when me playing for him in '88 at Scarborough to going back to playing for him in 2005 at Sheffield United. He hadn't changed. His pre-season was brutal. So it just, but he gets results, and um, for an owner, that's what they want. So you're at Notts County with with Neil Warnock, and the and you eventually leave to come to Derby. Is it true you were linked with with Forest? I mean, sorry to swear on the podcast, but was you linked with Forest before you come? No, 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 not Forest. No, no, no. no. I know you, you you was close to joining Blackburn as well. Was it between Derby and Blackburn? Yeah, I spoke to both clubs at the time. Um, you know, and it all happened very, very quickly. I'd only been, I'd only been playing for lots of two, three years. I've been out of non-league football for four years, mm. and all of a sudden, I was going for a ridiculous fee. Um, so I spoke to Kenny and I spoke to Arthur. Um, you know, I definitely, my, my, my choice was probably influenced by being local. I was living there. Tommy, my mate, was gone, just gone. Tommy Johnson. Um, a lot of people said professionally it wasn't the, the best decision to make. I never regretted it. I had a difficult year at Derby. My first year, I was shocking. I had a really bad year. Um, just couldn't find my form. And the club, the team didn't do what we really should have done with the, with the potential, with the investment made by Lionel Pickering. A lot, lot of good young players. But we never really gelled, really. Was there pressure on you with the price tag at the time? Do you feel yeah, a bit the, price, of... the price tag was ridiculous, Blake. It really was. It, I know what we see fees now, but I'd only played one... one season in the top league and I was going for a record for a defender I'd only been in the game four years so it's just madness it's because Notts County chairman did very well with the auction with Blackburn and Blackburn and Derby so he just kept getting the price up but it didn't do me any favours and it did weigh heavily on me um, was, you know I had plenty of weaknesses so people were expecting me to walk in as Mark Wright well Mark Wright was an international you know so I, I took, took me a while to get going unfortunately I, 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 hopefully I proved myself you know, I got player of the year a couple of years later and captained the club but I did take me a while to get going and that, I don't think the Derby fans were really, really enjoying watching me for the first year. Was it a difficult decision? Because Blackburn at the time were Premier League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was. It was, and it was a last minute change of heart. I'd, I'd driven up to Blackburn and met Kenny and sat there. and just, I think the day they signed Shearer, I was there. So, you know, fortunately, years later, I did get to play for that club, which is a great club. And I had some good, great memories there, but I probably missed out on, I probably missed out on a Premiership title. But if I'd have played anything like I did, if I played for Black, Blackburn, anything like I did at Derby in the first year, I'd have probably been sacked. So you know, Derby had a bit of patience in me. Yes, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny how you look back on things. Um, Arthur Cox, I've, we've spoke about Neil Warnock. Where's, where does Arthur Cox rank as? in the managers you've, you've played for? Well, that's my biggest regret in a way because Arthur did show a lot of faith in me and he, he you know, it was a big price tag to pay for me. So one of my biggest regrets was not showing Arthur my true form. When Arthur had gone, 
Roy took over. Roy was a centre back. I, you know, obviously everyone knows how good Roy was. But, you know, I'd already seen bits of Roy on the, playing football, but he joined in with us at times in training, and you can see how classy he was. But he was good. He was a help to me, and, and I started to produce my best form after 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 had left. And but one of my biggest regrets in the game was one was not getting promoted at Wembley that day when we lost to Leicester. That's probably my biggest de- regret in the game. And then not helping, not giving Arthur or uh, repaying Arthur the faith he showed in me. Should that team have got? It's a hard question to to answer because they didn't. But should that Derby side have got on, gone up and and got yeah, promoted? Should and, that, and the Leicester game was my brother-in-law was is a Leicester fan. He was there that day, and uh, we went one nil up. Missed a good chance. I think Harksy missed a good chance. Conceded two bad goals, but really it should have gone up because all those boys in that team, most of them went on to play in the Premiership anyway. Mm. So you know why couldn't we do it? As a as a group, individually, we all we all went on and played there. So it, it, it was strange, isn't it? Maybe we were just a little bit too young. Maybe we needed a bit more experience. We had a Martin Cool in the team, but maybe we needed more than just Martin. And a lot of us didn't hit form. A lot of us didn't show. Well, I definitely didn't show the form that we showed when the club were buying us. It took us a while to get that form back. So it was a dis- but look, fortunately, when I left to go to Everton in ninety, was it ninety five? I left. That's when the year Jim came in and they went up. So maybe that was the that was the thing. Get me out, you get promoted. <laughs> Connect Red are a Midlands-based telecommunications company with branches in Cannock, Derby, and Burton-on-Trent, in partnership with Vodafone UK. Our shops are currently closed due to the pandemic, but we are here to help in any way we possibly can. Get in touch with us for any of your tech and communication needs, consumer or business, and we can tailor individual packages and cater for multi-bundle deals too. Visit us at connectred.co.uk. That's C-O-N-N-E-K-T-R-E-D and drop us a message. Well, when we spoke to, to Tommy, Tommy Johnson, obviously a good friend of yours, he, he kind of said on the pitch afterwards, it felt like, the end of an era like that was your chances your side of getting up and then it kind of broke up after that did you feel like that at the time yeah totally yeah I did I felt you couldn't keep investing in players couldn't keep spending money Lionel spent a lot of money on players so I, I thought when we beat Millwall in the semi-finals I really thought that was our toughest challenge of that um, playoffs they were the top side at the time we beat them well um, it was a difficult game down there when there was a couple of pitch invasions um, but getting Leicester I thought I think I felt confident going into the game we went one up, so they had no, Joe Chin was on the bench, and I always thought he'd be starting because he was so had so much pace. Mm. Three big lads up front. I thought me and Paul would be okay coping up. Paul Williams was I still keeping touch with Paul, and we just it just it was fine margins, really fine margins. And uh, my biggest downer of the day, my career that was. You mentioned the Millwall game um, again. Tommy mentioned it. Um, about it and how crazy it was, but he said he wasn't too bothered because he was one of the quickest players on the pitch and he was still on the halfway line when all these pitch invasions were happening. Can you remember? Can you remember the night and well, just crazy. It's, I was, it's just before my time, but obviously I've seen the YouTube videos with the the commentary and stuff. Was it as crazy well, as it? As it looked? I'd never experienced anything like it before. Um, I can remember the Dab, Radio Derby car being set on fire. I'm sure it had been set on fire or turned upside down. Yeah. I think there was three pitch invasions. Fortunately, we were in a comfortable position results-wise, in the scoreline-wise, so that wasn't a, that wasn't a concern. The concern was just your own safety. And I can remember Martin Taylor sprinting past me at one point because he he knew when the whistle was going, and he, he ran past me before the whistle had gone. 
So he sort of seen the referee Morris making a run for the touchline, and Martin was on his way. So I think me and Pem, Mark Pembridge got caught up in a bit of a scuffle as we came off. But luckily, we had our studs on. So when you've been confronted by the mob, if you change direction quickly, it was quite it was a, it was a night game. And you can see people slipping all over because they had obviously flat shoes on. So, you know, greasy football pitches. And luckily we had studs on so we could change direction and get out of the way. So it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. Were they, were they really going? Uh, oh, going? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was trying to kick you as you were, you know, there was fly tackles and all sorts coming. I was running next to Pem and me and Pem were just heads down running as fast as we could to get, to get off. And uh, it, it wasn't, it, it was a scary moment. You know, it really was a scary moment. Leaving Derby then. Um, how did it come about? Obviously, we've spoken about that team breaking up and, and you going to, to Everton in '95 before Jim Smith came in. Um, how did it come about and was it was it your decision? Well, we played Everton in the March in the Cup and they went on to win it that year. We did quite well at Goodison. We had a young side out. We lost 1-0 to Andy Hinchcliffe. I'd, I'd done quite well against Duncan Ferguson because it was a real, real um, challenge to play against him. Um, Paul Rideout, who I'd played with in Notts County, rang me um, in the summer to say he thinks Joe Rawls going to, would you, would you be interested in coming to Everton? And I thought, I, I can't turn that down. I turned down Blackburn in the Premiership. I couldn't turn down Everton. Um, I was a Liverpool fan, fully enough, but I just couldn't turn. I never ever thought I'd get an opportunity to play for a club that size. So there was a clause in my contract. If I hadn't gone up in three years, I could go. Um, so it took, a, it took a while to get sorted out. Um, and I, I, they kept, they'd made an offer for me in the March just March of that of '95, and I had a meeting with the directors of the club and Roy, and said, "I said, look, I wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to give some sort of loyalty to the club and see if we can get in the playoffs that year." So I, I, I could have gone in March, but I stayed until the summer, trying to get us, you know, give some loyalty back to the club and see if we can get back in, into the playoffs. And fortunately, Everton was still there for me in the summer. So the agreement was, if I can't go in March. Kind of go in the summer, so that's why it happened in the summer. So I, I more or less asked to go, but I did turn down Everton in, in the March just because I thought I owed it to the club to help them to the end of the season. And they were very when, good at one of that. Yeah. When um, when you look back on your, your time at Derby, the, the three or so years, do you feel like it could have worked out differently in, or are the things you, you maybe would have changed? Well, I certainly like to have played better than my first year. Yeah. You know? um, because it took me such a long time to go in. And also the, the promotion, the, the playoff final. We, um, we, 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 I think we created a record of away wins one, one season, but then we created a record of home defeats, I think. So we were a strange team. We must have been so frustrating to watch. Um, and I thought I'd be settled in that area for years. You know, I didn't really think of moving when I first joined Derby. I was happy living in the, up near Ashbourne. Good lads who I was playing with, but... At the time, you know, football was such a short career. I couldn't believe I was playing for Derby, let alone, you know, getting a chance to go to Everton because of my non-league start, you know. So I just couldn't turn that down. But I, I left with a few regrets, one of them not giving Arthur my best form and, and not getting the club into the Premier League. But I, I, there's not, no one more, um, you know, delighted than I was when they got promotion the year after. You know, I know Gary Rowett came in part exchange with me um, as I went to Everton and Gary was part of that side and they got promoted that year, the very good team. And then I remember playing against Derby the next few years up in the Premier League with Everton and they were a good side, you know, Jim Smith's three at the back, Stimatch and one or two of the other Croatian boy, I can't remember his name now, but they were a very good team, hard to play against. Paolo Wonchop was difficult to play against. So 
I, I was delighted when they got promotion. I really was. My mates were still there. Paul Simpson, Gabardini was still there. Being at Everton then, and then from Everton to like going back to, to Blackburn, had, had Blackburn watched you for all that time and before signing you again, or was it just uh, coincidence that they came in again? Uh, it was seven, what was it, three, seven years? I had four years at Everton. So Blackburn had been relegated. So yeah. I, was another, I jumped out. With, I was I was captain at the time at Everton, and we just, we'd avoided, I was playing under Walter Smith, and we just avoided relegation by beating Blackburn at Blackburn with two games to go. And then Blackburn, unfortunately, with Brian Kidd, got relegated. And I just signed, I was just out of contract that summer in 99. And I was living in Merseyside with two daughters. Um, and I just got an offer out of the blue to go and play for Blackburn. And I thought, oh, why, why would I drop down the league? What, you know, why would I drop down the league when I've just been working so hard to get in the premiership? But then I had an opportunity to move back to Yorkshire because the training ground at Blackburn's is on up in Clitheroe. I was going to move to Harrogate. I got a longer contract to go there. I looked at their team and thought, yeah, they're going to get promoted. Um, so I, 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 I left Everton. Tough time to leave that club, but they'd accepted a bid for me. So I thought, well, maybe I should go. So it, and that, that was a good move for me in the end. It really was a good move for me, you know. It was, at least I got there in the end. How, how long did you spend there in the end? Because it was, you had a, a... Six years. Six wow. Years. Yeah, yeah. It, you had a, a brilliant spell in it. It's a... It's a well, when I was growing up, it was well. Obviously, there were uh, Premier League champions at one point, but they're a big, big club for a small town, weren't they? So it's yeah, a big... well, Jack Walker spent all that money, Blake. You know, and I missed the Premiership winning title. Yeah. I got in a team that we got a promotion under Graham Souness, and Graham was my boyhood hero. So I, I was a Liverpool fan, growing up in Germany in the seventies, and 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 watching match of the day when I came home for Christmas and seeing Graham. So he's my boyhood hero. So he he came as manager and. We had a really good team. We had Gillespie and Duff, two wingers. We had two guys, Turkish internationals, outstanding. Henning Berg would play centre-back with me. There was a, well, he played for Manchester United for years, won, won medals with Manchester United. We had Lucas Neal, Australian captain. Brad Friedel, probably the best goalkeeper in the world at the time. Mm. He really was. Um, and then Cole York up front, Janssen, um, David Dunn, Flickcroft. There's some really good players in that team. And um, we still have a group chat now. We, have a, we, we got on very well. It was a great team spirit as well. So, and the manager was there for four years. So you never get that, do you, often? No. So we had promotion. We got in the UEFA Cup. We won the Worthington Cup. We finished fifth in the Prem. So it was a really attacking team. Two out-and-out wingers with Duff and Gillespie. And then you got Cole and York down the middle. It wasn't a bad forward line. Is Souness as fierce as he comes across on Super Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a class act. I like. I know. I, I love playing for him. He was, um, he was just... Uh, he, he didn't have to say much. You knew where you stood with him. Um, he didn't suffer fools. He had the continuity for four years. He joined in training at the age of 48, 49, with a and he's had a triple bypass operation at 38 and still looked a class act. And you just wanted to play for him. I think when you see someone like him who's won all those medals and you've worshipped Liverpool as a kid and watched them him as a manager, as a player, you, just, you, knew, you knew what he wanted from you. And if you did well for him, there's nothing better than getting a congratulations from a man who, when you when you sort of you know, hear a worship someone and they, and they say well done son after a game. There's lots of times he said not so well done, and you knew about it, and you know he, he laid it on. But he's just a bloke who I wanted to play for. He's a bit like Neil, you know those t- those two really are the fellas that I wanted to play for, and he was successful. He had a good side, and I think Graham himself in his book admits that managing Blackburn was probably the happiest management 
times of his management career. And you could certainly tell. Can you see him get back into management or do you think it's... No, too... I, don't, I don't. I think he's got, he's, he does very well, doesn't he, on Sky? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I spoke to him just recently about something else and he said that he, 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 he's had his time now in management, I think, and he, he just really, really enjoys what he does at Sky. He's very good. He, you know, he, many of the fellows won everything what he's won and you listen to his opinions, you know, that's what he was good at. He, he made the game quite simple because the game is simple. Sometimes we complicate the game. And Graham was very, very good at just getting the right things out of the right players. And again, with his recruitment, signing really good players, you know, two by the Turkish boy from Galatasaray. Now, he was bought for a million quid from Rangers. No one had heard of him. If you ask any Blackburn fans the best signing of all time, it won't be Shearer, it'll be two guy. And I think Shearer's up there, but of course. But two's just... You know, he was just something that came out from nowhere. And it should have been... If he was playing now, Blake, he'd be playing for a Chelsea or a Spurs or a, you know, or an Arsenal. He was that good, you know. Um, but he was playing for Blackburn. We were lucky to have him. I think they had him for nine years. I played with him for five years. It made my job easier. <laughs> <laughs> in your career after football, your further career in football, who do you think you took the most from with all the managers and coaches you played for? I was so lucky, Blake. So, I get asked that question a lot. Howard Kendall, who was a tremendous manager at Everton in the 80s. Walter Smith won loads of Rangers. Joe Royal won the FA Cup at Everton. There's Neil, of course, from Everton. And then there's Graham. It's so difficult because I think I played my best football with Graham because it was the Premier League. We were doing well and I was in a good side. So I'd say from Graham, but Neil, I think Neil probably feel a bit upset I said that, but Neil gave me my start. And mm. I, I finished my, it was nice to finish my career with Neil and get a promotion there as well because you know, he, he gave my brother his, his football league start as well. So we owe a lot to Neil Warnock and uh, I, I, I love playing for him. You know, I couldn't turn him down at the end of my career when I, when I finished at Blackburn. But Graham, Graham gave me that top level playing platform really with a good side and, and gave me the confidence to go out and play and perform. I was going to say that. Was it was it Neil that sold, sold you the, to go to, um, sold it to you, sorry, to go to Sheffield United to finish your career there? Was it Neil that, was yeah. attractive about that move. Yeah, that's, yeah. I was living in Harrogate. I've been travelling for six years to Blackburn. It's only an hour over. Lovely drive over the tops. I was just set, I was just thinking about retirement. I was 36, 37 when I left. Thirty seven when I left Blackburn. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's me done. But then Neil persuaded me to do one more year. I had a little sailing school up in the Lake District, just setting that up as a business. But Neil turned up. He turned up there one day. Just turned up and said, and I was out working, just teaching people to sail. And he just turned up and said, "I'll meet you after you've finished." I finished. I'd, I'd finished teaching. Put just putting the boat in the in the on the in the little marina. He was there, and uh, sat there having a cup of tea. Said, "Right, so what are you going to do?" I said, "Do you fancy another the season?" I went, "Yeah, okay then." So that was it. it you know, he'd driven all the way to the lakes to have a chat with me. That's just, incredible. How, how different he is, you know. Oh yeah, and we'll get onto the yeah the, well, the sailing school because I read this when I was doing a bit of research for it. Was you was that planning for life? Outside of football, so you was going to retire and then just move away from the game. Totally, yeah. I had um, I had uh, living living playing for Blackburn. Lake Windermere was only an hour away, so um, I I love sail. I love sailing. My mum used to sail, so when I was a kid, I, I used to get on boats all the time. When I was living in Southport, I did my own sailing course on a little dinghy. Set. So I just I purchased a boat one year up in Black, up in the lakes, had it on Lake Windermere, would sometimes train and go up and sleep on the boat and sail for the day off the next day and just really got into it. And I met someone up there, a guy who has his own sailing school, asked me to join his business. 
just like being a driving instructor, but on sailing boats. And um, that's what we were planning for, building that business up. So I spent a lot of time up there. Um, but I didn't, um, I, I wanted a break from the game because I was, you know, I was 38, coming to the end of my career for 18, 18 years, and that one, more than 19, 20 years. You're told where to be, what to do, what weight to be, what to drink, what to eat. I wanted to have that much control for myself and have a break when I wanted a break. So instead of waiting for an international break or your summer break. So and I just I just wanted a break from the football and uh, it was the right thing for me to do. And it was, a, it was a hobby of mine. When I was on the bus at Everton, Duncan Ferguson was always reading books on pigeons, pigeon racing. And I was reading sailing manuals. So I just took, sort of more or less taught myself and then met a lot of good people to help me get the qualifications I needed to be a, an instructor. I wouldn't want to be a pigeon um, if uh, Duncan Ferguson was looking at <laughs> me for that way. <laughs> <laughs> he did quite well, I think, with his pigeon racing. It's yeah. funny, actually, because I heard an interview with Mike Tyson, but they, he's, he's, he looks after pigeons as well. And they're, they're, they're yeah, two- right. I've seen that, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Dunk, Dunk's the same. Dunk was a massive, massive pigeon fan, yeah. Oh, well, was he an intimidating character? Obviously, we were on his same team. but was to play against, yeah. <laughs> only played, luckily, I only played against him once, but he was... Um, when you played the big matches in the Merseyside derbies and the Arsenal's and the Man U's, he was always well up for it. I think for, for the centre-backs who played against him, you could, it was great having him on our team. He really made a difference. He's, he's an icon up there and a good lad as well and doing well now in management and you know, assistant management to Ancelotti. What got you back into the game then from your sailing school in late well, Windermere? It was never going to be a... It was never, ever going to go on forever. Um, so, and I missed it. I did miss it. I've done... Part of my qualifications, I thought I've got. I need to, you know, I've been doing it for twenty years. I'm, I do. You do miss the dressing room. There's nothing better than playing. I remember Graham Sooner saying to me, "The next best thing from playing is management and coaching." So I thought I've got to try it. So I just, uh, I gave it a go. Unfortunately, I got my first opportunity over in Budapest in Hungary with Sheffield United because they own that, t- they own that team over there. So they gave me the first opportunity with Bobby Davis and then Bobby was next derby player. I was going to ask you about that because we've had Bobby on and he spoke about his time there and um, as, as manager um, with you as well and um, a lot of pressure because the fans over there they're a bit oh, a bit tasty aren't they? It was yeah it was getting chased off at Millwall was nothing compared to being chased by the ultras in Budapest it was really it was quite scary at times um, it was it was you know I, I owe it to Kevin I don't think I'd be in football if it wasn't for Kevin McCabe and, and Scott and, and you know. Who, they gave me the opportunity. Um, I got a phone call from, uh, where did I get a phone call from? I think Bobby rang me out of the blue and Kevin had rang me out of the blue um, to say, would you want to go work out there with Bobby? And I said, God, you know, I'd only just got my B license. So you need, you know, you need a bit more than that in this country to get a job. So I, I went out there and thought I'd be going for three months. Um, and I ended up being there for two years. So, I was very, very lucky to get that uh, job, and uh, and it was it was an experience. You don't learn anything like that on the coaching courses. And Bobby was brilliant to me. Bobby was very good. We didn't know each other, you know, but we got on very well. We lived in the same apartment block. We watched each other's backs. You know, he was strong. He got them promoted. They were the, they were the Manu of Hungarian football, and not nothing compared to the size of Manu, of course. But they were the big side over there, and there was a lot of pressure on to do well. And if you didn't do well, they, those fans they let you know they really did. So um, it was really good. And then Bobby left. I had six months doing the the head coach's job, which was like a swan paddling on top of the water with your feet going like hell underneath. You know, it was scary. It's just, but some good lads around. You got good staff there. Ron Reed came out from Sheffield United, an academy manager, and he was a big help to me. Yeah. What's, what's Bobby like as a, 
a manager to work with because um, he seems very passionate still now. I know he's he's done it. He's got his badges and he's always he working the game. I can I can imagine he's a good character to work with. I learned a lot of him. I learned a lot of him, and he got his pro license then, and he he done a lot more than I'd done. I was just starting off, so he's a big help to me. He's having to handle his own pressures of his own job and get results. I was doing the first team in the morning with him, and then I was doing the academy in the evening. So it was long days for me, but you learn quickly, and you meet some good people. There's a lot of good people out there. Um, really enjoyed my time. It's a beautiful city. I, I, you know, encourage anyone to go and visit Budapest. What a, what a lovely place to go and visit. But um, I had to. You had to learn quickly. Um, people were accommodating. Um, Bobby was one of those who just was very determined and strong. You know, and kept the. He always always says to me, "Keep the game simple. Don't complicate it." And you know, I, I still live by that. I came back and luckily I got my, the manager job at Notts County, so my old club. So. I was coming back anyway from Budapest because you needed to have your pro license to stay out there longer. And I didn't have my pro license. But I'd missed my two daughters, uh, two girls back in England. So I, have, I hadn't seen much of them. So I needed to come back to see them. I didn't have a job. Fortunately, the Notts County job came up. So I, um, I got that, you know, and that was great going back to a club that I played for. But really, when I look back now, 13, 12, 12 years on, I, I, I wasn't ready for it, really, I don't think. Maybe I, I would have done things a lot differently. You know, I've learned so much more in the last 10 years, coaching-wise and management-wise. Is management the aim, uh, eventually? No, no, not really, Blake. No, no, no. I'm, if you asked me a year ago, are you happy in your role at, not, at Derby? I'd have said, yeah, I love this. I do love it. And I know Gary Boyer, who's gone in there, replaced, got my job. And Gary's managed at three or four clubs now. Gary loves youth development. I... I one good thing about Oxford is they are a club that buys players young, develop them and sell them on. So I'm really in the same sort of role. So there, there are players there who are older pros there, but I've got a lot of pros who are, you know, the younger age, you know, sort of 22, 23, and a bit like what I was working at Derby. So I, I quite enjoy developing players and sit, getting them a career. That was my objective and priority at Derby and getting them in the first team, of course, but then getting them a career because it's the best career ever, you know, and I came into it late. So if I can help this club be successful and we're doing okay at the moment, but also make sure there's an investment in the team and players that are going to be going to the next level and keeps the club in uh, this from our business models nowadays. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, and I'm 10 minutes away. You know, there's so many good people out the game. Um, lots of great people out the game. Can't get in. I'm lucky I've been in football and work since I've retired. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful for that and grateful to, for Darren to give me two jobs at the Academy, but also grateful now for Carl giving me this, this role here and working with, with my brother. Is there anyone at Derby, youngster-wise, that Derby fans should be looking out for? Anyone that you look, remember and think they're a bit special? Uh, well, when I first arrived, it was Mason Bennett, you know, when I first, at that age, 15. Sibley's always impressed me. Now, I know he's still... I don't, well, I was Lou now 18, is he? I think 18, 19. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 Louis was the one that I think could go on. Um, I know you've just sold a lad to Liverpool. Um, yeah, Kay Aaron, Gordon. Yeah, and that Cade would Cade came into our twenty three train group last year as a fifteen year old, and I thought, wow, this kid's brilliant. You know, he he stepped up three or four age groups, so you know Liverpool are getting a, a good player there. And then I was really impressed with Rory's lad. So I think, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because you also sell players, but you want players in your first team. But when big clubs come knocking with the money. You can't turn it down because you're investing a lot of money anyway into the first team. If you're getting a return on academy players as well as getting them in the first team, like your like your Jason Knights and your Bogles and your Buchanans, you know, I, I, I like Lee. I like the way he plays. 
physical, quick, strong, aggressive. Um, and he, he seems to be he seems to be able to adapt to men's football. I, I think that's the big thing for players now. Twenty threes football going that next step and dealing the physicality. I've dropped down to League One, and it's very physical. I'm standing on the touchline, and lads are like bigger than me. I was one of the biggest players, but now there's this, the teams now are so big. I was talking to Patton Darren the other day on the phone and saying the game's got so much bigger at this level anyway, and physical. And Carl wants to play the right way, but you you have to compete as well. If you don't compete, you won't be able to play the right way. You've got to compete first, and that's one of the sayings. And I think in Derby's academy, earn the right to play, win your duels, and that's so important. I don't think that's changed from my day. You've got to win your duels when you go out on a football pitch. Is there an element with players like Liam um, Liam Delap and um, and Kay Gordon? Does the the academy have to be self sufficient to a certain degree? Where that if you get sell one of these players for a million or two million pound, then it pays for the academy for a certain length of time, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I do. I think that's right, Blake. You, you get funding from the Premier League. You, you know, you get the funding, but I think every now and then you've got to sell these. These players want to go as well. Of course they would. Why would you know Liam Delap turn down Manchester City? You know, his dad's played at the top level. He was good. Uh, there is there's a balance there, you know. And I suppose for, for Derby fans, they're seeing thinking, "Well, we're losing these players," but you, you know, it, it is it's supplying the next group of players coming through. It's funding the next group of players coming through. And you know, any business, you've got to keep trying trying to make money. Um, so the academy is they aren't they aren't cheap to run. They are expensive to run, even though you do get the funding. So when you get a 15 year old and you get offered money like, "Oh, sorry, Cade's 16," you're thinking about injury. And you're thinking about also the player as well. He'll be desperate to go. And, and that's nothing, that's no disrespect to Derby. You know, if you're Liverpool's comes knocking and Jurgen Klopp, you will any anyone in the country would say, Yeah, I've got I've got to take this opportunity. Um, but it's that balance, they seem to have the balance right, and they seem to have these lads now establish themselves in the first team. All right, the first team's not the right end of the table, but if you can keep those lads, keep those lads and, and keep developing them, and hopefully there's a couple more coming through and add and then spend spend sensibly. That club is going to be sustainable and also competitive. At the end, I normally ask about see if you've got any regrets from your career, but I've all, we've already touched on a couple, so I'm going to change it to if there's any youngsters listening, like a young footballer. What's the one piece of advice you'd give a, a youngster going into either academy football or trying to get into the game? Um, it, it's hard, so don't expect it to be easy. You get knockbacks. And it's how you respond to those. You know, I've seen, I've played with a lot of young lads who were better than me. And I think it's just, you have to have a, a, a strong mental approach. And that gets better as you get older. You get more resilient as you get older. But, you know, the, the parents will see that now because they're taking the boys in three times a week and they'll see the knockbacks and they'll see the disappointments. Even when I was in my mid-30s playing, there's on a Saturday when you've played well and you've done had a good game and won, there's always something around the corner on a Tuesday to keep you in the teeth. So never ever think it's like that. It's going up upwards. It's a roller coaster all the time. And I think if you can produce a performance every Saturday or every time you go out of six, six, well, seven out of ten, then you're going to get a career. It's not about getting a nine one week and then dipping to a four. You've got to try and get that consistency. And physical fitness is is paramount. Your ability, you've got your ability because that's why you're in academies. You have to work hard off the off the ball. It's so important nowadays, and and I know it's a, it's the ugly side of the game. But if you don't do, look at Liverpool side when they won it. They work so hard. Man City now, watch them in there. They work so hard. They're great players, but they work so hard. And when I went to play in the Premiership with these lads, some of them weren't the best footballers I've ever seen, but they're 
work ethic and mentality was another level. So I think that's what, what Darren preaches at the academy um, and should be preached everywhere. And I'm sure it is most places. It's been absolutely brilliant, Craig. Thank you for your time. Uh, oh, I've, thanks, I've really appreciated it. Um, at the end, this was started by Lee Carsley. We do a thing to try and get me some people on because I'm quickly running out of contacts. We do a thing called Pass the Mic where if there's an ex-teammate at Derby you played with you think would be decent that you could get us in touch with. I don't know if there's anyone you can think of. Well, how about Marco Gabardini? Yeah, that'd be amazing. Marco, Marco can talk. Can he? <laughs> yeah, he I, I, could, I could get you Marco's details. I'll, I'll send you those. I'm trying to think who else there is I was at Derby with. I still speak to some of the lads. Um, I'm not having Tommy back on. I've already dealt with him once. Yeah. Paul, Paul, Paul Williams. I've done done Paul. Yeah, Simo. Simo, yeah, he'd be brilliant as well. Yeah, Simo. Simo's Simo, Simo a good one because he's now at Bristol City, so he's he's and he's worked with England, so Simo's a good one. So I'll get, I'll get you Simo's details. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Craig, and and thank you for this. I appreciate you busy and appreciate your time. No, it's a pleasure, mate. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.